new on CuriosityStream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Thanks for uh, you know getting up early Sunday and hanging and out. And putting on a oh, jacket too. Ten o'clock. Daryl just woke up five minutes ago. Well, I, I'm gonna be record. I'm shooting one right after this. Oh, actually. nice. Nice. Looking sharp. Look at this guy. Got, this is beautiful. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our uh, show slash podcast. You guys are actually late. So wait, which one's Daryl and which one's TK? Now I'm confused. I, I thought I was talking to the dude in the middle. Who's in the middle? Nope, that's Daryl on the left. Daryl's on the talking left. To you. Oh, well, hey, Hello. Darryl. Sorry, I was literally thinking I was talking to the wrong guy the you whole You were time. talking to the wrong oh, guy. Know. That is actually, in fact, true. Depending on your perspective. Right <laughs> depending on your perspective, <laughs> you could be right. You could be wrong. No, You're no, one no, in no. the same. It's the same show. As long as it's the same it show, is, we're good. Exactly. It is we're this good. show. So what... Yeah, I've, yeah, go ahead. Are we we're, we're rolling, Daryl? We are rolling, baby. Okay, sweet. I love it. Yeah, Bradley. So thanks for doing that. I um I've been listening to a few of your videos and uh, great stuff. Uh, I remember. Th- I think I saw one of your videos before Daryl mentioned it. And I was like, this guy's on yeah. fire. And then all of a sudden, Daryl said, "We've got a guest," and I'm like, "Who could it be?" And I didn't expect it would be you. So that's Big awesome. Big man reaching out. You got you don't ask. You don't find. You don't get the guest. That's right. right. Yeah. That's it. Or you get the big that's names. That's right. Not that's to good. say I'm a big game name. If you guys think I'm a big name, that's uh, I'll take it's, a compliment. Uh, no, but... we're, we're actually very low level. So, yeah, you're, you're a big name, and we're happy as to have you. As far as I'm so. concerned, you are a big fish in a bigger pond. and uh, you... We'll get your pond bigger. We'll grow, we'll grow we'll, this we'll pond. We'll grow this yeah, pond. We'll we aspire level. to be in your shoes, sir. It's, <laughs> it's, it seems like we have a similar format. I'm, and now I'm thinking maybe Daryl stole it yeah. from you. But, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, That's so okay. just going over the news, like it's things that we were already reading, that we were already following. Both Daryl yeah. and I are in the industry in different, you know, uh, different ways. And it was like, okay, well, why don't we just talk about the stuff we're already doing? Anyways. If you are a real estate nerd like I am, you will see many of us have the same format and talk about the same articles because there's only so many of them. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it goes. I mean, it was the same. Literally, the reason I started was the same reason you guys just described. Like, I'm looking at this news anyways, and I've got a plot. If I can create a platform to share it with people, I mean, I'm going to it just allows you to reach more people quicker instead of instead of telling it on one by one basis. When I meet with a client to see a property, for example, now we can actually reach new people and get the message out and honestly translate the news because it's quite confusing. Well, and and to a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of there's people. a lot of baloney out there, and we, which we like sure. like to yeah. call out quite regularly. And what what TK and I were just talking about before you jumped on is that uh, I'm not a realtor, so we have a very different perspective than most people. Because, like you were saying, it's to kind of reach more people. But for me, it was to, you know, s- spend some time out of boredom when COVID hit because I I got stuck in my house. Or does it for you? Well, sure. He's got that Toronto map behind him there. He's been studying real estate since the seventies. See any lines yeah. though, other than the road lines? We gotta get. I gotta get like a red marker. You can fill in the spot. If you uh, if you look at a different map, you can see that one. It's not a very extensive <laughs> map, but I'll show it to you one day. <laughs> but actually, if you look close, yeah. there is the uh, there are some points of interest on that map, but you have to look really close because a lot of them wiped off because they were erasable marker, unfortunately. But anyways, what we like to do around here is very similar to what you like to do. We roll through uh, some articles. What I, what I like to do is I like to invite TK normally down a little journey of the previous week's uh, real estate news. Sometime, 
headlines. Uh, we debunk or bunk on top of them, depending on the headline. Um, so basically, I'm going to whip through and try and paint a picture. And you guys have carte blanche to cut me off anywhere along the way with whatever you want to talk about. It is a conversation. It is not an interview. Unless either of you have questions for me, I will get started. So. All right. Do it, boss. <laughs> I think we would be remiss not to discuss the COVID situation. So I have here, Ontario breaks another COVID-19 record as it adds more than 1,100 new cases. So we, we obviously... What's going Yeah, I mean, we haven't really talked about this much. It was funny. I sent my buddy a, a text yesterday saying, you know, there's no sports. The election's over. Like, what the hell do we have to talk about? Oh, yeah, COVID right but like this thing's heating up this thing's like the toronto real estate market now uh, well definitely i mean the numbers are there right so the numbers are growing and obviously people are concerned but i've i found like the level of fear to just be waning more and more and more you know like i feel like more people are getting out more people are saying like i'm going to plan that vacation anyways i'm going to go out and do it i'm going to meet with my friends and family i feel like that people are learning to live with covid and that's a good sign yeah we went out Oh, the beast though, right? Because look at Peel. So we just got an email, the real estate, the real estate's in the room. We did get an email from uh, Aria saying open houses are restricted to those um, not in stage red, which is now Peel. And in fact, today I saw in the news, Peel is not even allowed going outside your home. Like even 10 people bubbles are no longer allowed. So they're really ramping Ouch. it up. Really? The cases Ouch. in Peel are almost as high as Toronto. And I don't know the breakdown in the population. I would think it's what a third or fourth of the population. three or four to one yeah 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 wow so hold on where's toronto at then is it are are we in that same place it's still in yeah orange okay because it's it's they it's as it. a percentage they've, they've color-coded it because i think they wanted to uh make it look like they were doing something so they made it look like all the colors of the rainbow yeah. we got red orange yellow quick color a map quick <laughs> wait till we're in purple. let's do something yeah but bradley what i what i mean that's right right there hey mate that's the government stance. What about the like the private citizens? Like, what are what are the people in Peel region? What are they saying? The people that you know are they all still like, man, I don't want to go out, so I'm going to stay in, or they're like, oh, I guess I can't go out because of the government, even though I would. Gotta ask the people, but I would I would presume that their government needs to step in because there's a lot of parties and stuff yeah, okay, in Peel, and that's what's ramping up the numbers and. People don't like to talk about ethnicity, but I think it's a factor and just the culture, right? Like if you're a culture of like kissing on the cheek and, you know, spending a lot of time with extended family, it's Italian speed things up. That's all trouble. I, I don't I mean, I think COVID is I think we got it under control. I'm, I'm very optimistic about this whole COVID thing. I'm not uh, as far as real estate goes. Now, obviously, I'm concerned about all the grandmas in the in the health units, but as real estate goes i don't see it causing much of a problem i think that the first wave the psychological impact of the first wave is going to have 10 times the impact we're going to see if we were to get a continued spike now that's that's my thinking on it i agree i agree i think we just have to uh, accept the health crisis and, and let the professionals deal with it and protect uh, the vulnerable and everybody else and there's a lot of people who can go on with businesses so usual. new covid19 measures Great. take effect as ontario shifts to new tiered system which most people, from what I'm reading, don't seem to be huge fans of this new tiered system. Yeah, a lot of people are saying, like, you know, it looks like they just colored on some maps. And, you know, that's the basis of this whole thing. But uh, listen, it, this thing is affecting, ba I mean, you'll see a little pattern here in the articles. Toronto real estate prices made a massive monthly drop while 905 gets a boost. And this is, of course, you know, a byproduct of... I guess the exodus to the exurbs as you've talked about and we've talked about before we have why the pandemic is pushing young tenants out of their tiny rentals in Toronto's core. This is not positive stuff. How the pandemic has turned downtown Toronto condos into challenging investments. I mean, they were pretty challenging as investments yeah. before, <laughs> really right? 
unless you paid cash for that thing or, or, you know, 60%. You bought it five years ago and and the building took way longer than it was supposed to. Great investment. I, I have uh, uh, somebody I know, a big developer, and he said something so profound. He said, the market made us geniuses, right? Yeah. And and that's just it. Like good good markets make, make those type of investors. Good timing. Right. So we also have investors rush to get out of pre-built Toronto condo deals. It's not looking good. That would be interesting. I'd like to, I'd like to know the stats on that. Yeah. I'd like to know, I'd like to know exactly uh, how many of those people are doing that. Cause we're still seeing a high demand for pre-construction. I've got an assignment client right now, believe it or not, someone who's looking in, in the core, right? Like that's their goal is to get a deal. And it's not easy to find a deal. There's not a bunch of people dumping assignments left, right, and center in good buildings that are going to be built or, or completed in the next year or so. I've seen a lot of news that they are dumping the tiny units. So depending on what your the client's tiny looking units. for, if they're looking exactly. for under 500 square feet, they're giving, they're giving okay. away everything for those. That makes spots. sense. And I'm not going to play around the pre-construction. This is not pre-construction. This I'm is – this is... Are you talking developers? No, this is assignments. Right? Mostly assignments, but I've seen developers giving these away too. I've seen oh, yeah. commissions of 10% to realtors that can bring oh. some pre-construction products. Yeah. Wow. 10%. Assignments is just a product of a failing, like they know they're going to have to close on it. They're going to resell it. And those units are selling 100, 150 below 20% were back in March, April. Yeah. So like just a product of like, let's just get rid of it. Let's cut my losses. Then I don't have to pay the land transfer and then deal with it again later. Anyways. Have you, have you noticed? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's any surprise. No, not the smaller units. My guy's actually looking for a two plus den or but, three bedroom. So that's probably why. Ha, have you noticed in the new launches? It also depends on where you're located because it's really the downtown old Toronto regions that are impacted. If we look in the suburbs, condos are doing actually very good. And they Great. look more like low rise units than they do the tiny condos yeah. downtown. Maybe. Yeah. We have multiple offers left, right, and center, and anything that's half an hour out of the out of the downtown core, people are lining up for it. I I think I've noticed a, a trend lately, and it could be just me that's noticed it, but I I seem to notice on all these launches that like two and three bedrooms, and larger units are getting released first now. Have you noticed that? I'm not a big into pre-construction either. So I, yeah, okay. So I, I only get the, the, the emails and when I have a client, I, I look into it and I do my research. So I don't know. But I, I did see a development for... Um, I feel like all the big units are being... There's, there, was a new, there was a new announcement this week, Daryl. It's, it's a heritage site. Um, shoot. Okay, it'll come to me in a second. But it said largely comprised of one bedrooms. That was the application. Yeah, so, if it's downtown, somebody, somebody still feels like one bedrooms are. It was downtown, yeah. Somebody still feels like one bedrooms are going to be uh, a hit. Yeah, I think I think. Selling them, whether they sell them or not, they're trying. To, they got to sell these before they can start the construction. But the plans are in place, right? So now what? You got to sell yeah. them. Yeah, mm-hmm. th- this is. The builder, if I were to be strategic as a builder, I'd be trying to delay the closing on these two, three, four years, just based on people know in that time frame you're going to have a rebound coming back to the city i think people i honestly think people yeah. know that but nobody wants to say it because they want to talk about what everyone else is saying and that run 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 but i i honestly think there's an underlying understanding that at the end of the day you're gonna have a 9-11 happen people are gonna run away from the city but they're gonna come back and they're gonna be stronger than ever i think that's what's gonna take place that combined with an overinflated freehold low-rise type units because of this craziness and people leaving like, what is the trend? What is it lining up for? I think I want to be going the opposite direction. I want to be swimming the other way. And I think that that's what's going to pay off down the road. So I think the builders know people know that. And so they're going to say, I've seen a lot of, like, just from where I've, you know, what I have seen. I know in Vaughn, there's a lot of projects that are saying we're going to close in like four years, five years. See if we can delay it as long as we can, because that's where there's confidence with consumers right now. Mm-hmm. And that's why those are selling out is because the four or five year plan is, is okay. It's the 12 month plan that everyone. I think it's about. because it's to mention you override the risk it's of it, rent, right? Like you don't have to deal with the tenant. But and a it's investors. Plan. Investors are smart enough to know that like in four or five years, this thing is not what it looks like today. Like these are long-term mm-hmm. players, most of them. Right. I've even heard whisperings, whisperings, okay, this is not official, that a lot of resale condos are starting to get a lot more activity in the past couple of weeks. So people who have been... I've, uh, we've talked about that, and I think it's in certain areas. I think that's where you kind of see the picking up happening, but mm-hmm. 
to get too excited about that kind of thing because I don't know. I just I'd rather see the what what I'm most concerned about when it comes to this was the same reason why we were hopeful in April and everyone else was freaked out. I want to see a balance. You know, I want to see the number of active units going on going off just as fast. Until that happens, you haven't really hit that bottom, but it's going to happen quick. It's going to happen a matter of you're going to have as soon as the Treb stats get released, you almost need to look weekly. You need to be two weeks in, kind of like you guys are doing. You know, you got to be on it. Mm-hmm. And then by the time that monthly comes around, I don't even think people are going to notice. The other, what I think is going to happen before any of this condo revive takes place is you're going to see prices coming down in the winter, which is a very natural thing. But take mm-hmm. last year's winter, for example. People don't know that that can happen. It's like people have forgotten that when it gets cold, <laughs> people stop buying real estate. And so I feel like that too, a, yeah. Yeah, combination. People are like, oh my God, like we're done. We're done for. Yeah. yeah. And then there's your assignment sales. You want to talk about assignment sales and discounts? That's where they come not the builders. Mm-hmm. I think the builders are going to reflex like that, but you're going to have resales and assignment sales just tripping out into the new year. And then come March, April, once you start to see, you'll start. The thing is, is you're going to have a rebound in the low rise before you got a rebound in the detail and sorry, in the condos because they took mm-hmm. a big hit, right? Really big hit. So year over year, they're going to, they're going to bounce quicker. They took a hit before the condos did in my opinion, because condos were up 20%. Now they're back down to flat year over year. Well, so but before the come a little bit later. The, but. Before the pandemic, housing was like not great. Low rise, detached, it was okay. Condos was going through the roof and crazy. They were diverging in opposite directions. Now, if you go back previous to that, it was the opposite of that, right? Uh, houses were were gangbusters, and nobody really cared about condos. Right now, fast forward to now, and we're back in the opposite. Is is there a time in space in Toronto where divergence becomes convergence, and we have like a regular real estate market? Like even even I mean, in commercial and residential, like everything is going all over the place, depending on the segment that you're in. So is that normal? Has it always been like that? Or is it normally that like things are just chugging along in one direction, up or down? I think I've seen glimmers of it. Yeah, I'd have to go on a map to see that. I'd I'd put it somewhere between 2010 to 2012. This is before my real estate days. But I, I remember seeing back in 2017 a real disconnect in the prices, this divergence as you're talking about in the low rise in the condos. But that had been playing out for four or five years at that point, which is why I was very much saying something's got to give. Like this is getting outrageous, right? The, the cost that you're buying per square foot for these low rise were just out of the ordinary. Not to say that low rise are going to come down, but that there's a catch up that can happen in the condo space. So that didn't take place until the psychological impact of 2017. Everyone freaked out. And, and then kind of what you're saying, there's a flip. So I think it's just flipping again. So things like COVID put unnecessary pressure on one segment of the housing market, but overall they're going to, they're going to, they are following a similar pattern. It's just, you've got one that's it's like a trampoline. One's going up and the other comes down, up and down. The same so is, the, is this the result of just so many like disruptions coming simultaneously, like technology and health kind of, whacking us simultaneously so that all of these sectors are being affected? Like, is it normal that, you know, all of these sectors are getting affected so differently in like the lowest point in immigration, you know, the low, like everything's so crazy. How, how, like, I think, I think everything right now, like just, I don't follow the stock market that closely, but I know right now, like this week was just absolutely insane and things were going in different directions. The housing market's going in different directions, types of business. I talked to people who are best year ever and then other people like struggling underwater. Like, I think this is unprecedented times for all the different, you know, fields of our economy and stuff like that right now. So I don't think that anybody can say like, oh no, this is just, you know, this is just what happens when a pandemic happens. So for sure, these are unprecedented times. Nothing's normal. The dollar's up right now again. The election, U.S. election. What? What? So What's that? Things. I've been the U.S. election. Yeah, it was just like competition between. Did that happen already? Right. Yeah, it's it's done. Oh, it's over. I missed you, it. You I missed it. it. You missed Shit. the parade. Yeah, big parade. Big parade. That. Yeah. Apparently, apparently. So hold on upset. a sec. So what happens at some point in time? Does this thing converge again in either direction? eventually freeholds are going to become out of reach investor you don't want it to like the 
fluctuation is the magic boys like this is where you get opportunities right if everything was to be steady i mean it's great long term but i i personally get excited when things are a little bit out of the ordinary i mean it's the reason podcasts like these can take off because people are looking for an explanation and if you can get the proper explanation for what's going on like the the, the election is a perfect example okay so if you look the reason that the stock market is doing so well in my opinion is because everyone's listening to this narrative it's a narrative being put out by stockbrokers and like they, there's no so if you look at before it, Trump, for example, would say stock market is going to crash because I'm not elected. Then you go to the pundits and they're all saying, OK, well, what we could use is if we had a, a, a Senate that's Republican. But then we sorry, what were they looking for? They were looking for a sweep. They wanted a sweep with Biden, but they didn't get it. They got a sweep in the Congress, um, but they couldn't get it on the Senate or whatever. The, I forget the tiers. But anyways, because of that happening. What they've done is they switch the narrative. They say, oh, now it's going to slow things down, which means more stability in the market. So you literally take whatever it's saying and you spin it to the perspective that's going to come out saying things are clean and, you know. But I, I think that that's behind all of that, there's actual activities that are happening. The reason the dollar's strong here is because the spending in the U.S. is going to go off the rails. That's why our dollar's gone up. Which we're happy, which we're happy to be uh, benefiting from. Keep on if printing you want that local investing, yeah, but from an international perspective, it reduces the money flow right? because it costs more to invest here. All, everything has an equal an equal pull. Well, right now, I think the dollar being in the position that it in, is in is going to be good because we want to be able to have more buying power elsewhere. And I think right now with um, the way the economy is going and we're going to obviously talk about immigration today. I think that's a that's a big thing. Um, a lot of people know, okay, well, let's try it. A lot of people are, uh, like the narrative that I'm hearing is everybody's saying like, we don't have enough jobs. Immigrants are bad. If we add more people and not more jobs, how are we going to be able to get, you know, our, our economy back on track? And I think that that's exactly what we need is we need more foreign people, more foreign investment, more foreign attention, and the higher the population and more businesses that are operating out of Canada internationally is going to offset any cost or any change in our dollar value, right? Because there's just going to be more things happening on the global stage. I know we have a lot of people now who are already doing that, like Canadians who are uh, from other countries, but more of that attention actually brings more international money to the Canadian economy, right? Because like, honestly, who am I going to be dealing with outside of Toronto, Ontario, right? Like it's really like I'm not running a business or anything like that. All these people who've got businesses and skills and international, like I have clients who work from like all different types of parts in the world. Like I meet them and they're, they're like, no, my, my company's in, you know, uh, this one lady's in Japan and uh, you know, the, another guy's in the UK. And it's like those connections were made because they immigrated to Canada and that's how they're able to bring a, a additional, um, additional stimulation, which is great. That UK money, good exchange. So, so what's happening now in the background Maybe in the foreground for some people, but in the background, what's happening is the city. This this I th I think is a great way to boost the economy in a few places. We have in the last few weeks we have three different stories of the government pushing through uh, permit applications for gigantic projects. Uh, one of them in Pickering, one of them in Cambridge, and one of them downtown Toronto. And I mean, we're talking multi-tower sites with townhouses and like recreation. Like these are gigantic, gigantic projects, you know, like 50 acres and just crazy big projects, uh, affordable housing and all that kind of stuff. Like this will create a ton of jobs that aren't currently here. I mean, we right now, builders can't keep up with the demands like the labor pool isn't even there. Right. And this is what I think they're hoping is that they bring in like that renaissance of um, labor, right? Of actual physical labor mixed with, you know, obviously high tech uh, 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 computer skilled people. But like we need people to build all this stuff right now. We have, you know, 124 percent more. What is the headline? Toronto condos completion rose 124 percent this summer. Like. The developers are not trying to slow down. I mean, th this is being done. The 124% completions, th those are sold, right? The, mm -hmm. So I, I talked to a, I talked to a, a concrete guy. These, these are so, but, but that's ago. the thing. Like, we are just keeping up with demand from a few years ago. Forget about current demand and soon to be coming down the pipe demand, right? Like, that's... I, I, talk, I talked to a guy, Daryl, yesterday, boots on the ground, 
big construction company, one of the biggest form, uh, concrete form companies in the city. They do all the biggest projects. And he said they're charging two or three times their normal rate because they're so busy that all the developers are coming. And the developers are saying, well, instead of making $200 million on this high rise, I'll make $100 million. He's working on all the big sites downtown. And his rate, because this is what they used to charge, and that was competitive. Well, now it's like, well, you want it, you want it. It's it's There's competition. So he said that it's two to three times the rate for the concrete to build these high rises. And the developers are going, no problem. When can sure. you start? That's what sure, it's because like, the the increasing concrete, these issues, right? The increasing concrete is cheaper than the amount of interest you're going to pay waiting around for that guy to start, right? Or for exactly. another company to start. But the reason the price is going up is because they don't. We're looking have at a lot of a lot of different, we're looking at a lot of different things, right? Like we we started with immigration, and you guys are on the side that immigration is good, and I, I agree. I think a lot of people who don't like immigration, I also, I feel them because the reason everyone has their motivations right if you want real estate to do well you want immigration you want these people to come they're going to stimulate the housing market it's a lot of demand a lot of demand our motivation is let's keep rents down let's not create that competition for the next few years of these like a huge influx of immigration look look at look at the benefits that they've been experiencing so i i i i for everyone because i think that there's different views to it if we could keep our immigration numbers lower We've been able to see during COVID that we've continued to reach a level of success. Do we even need immigration? Is immigration something that we need in order to be successful? Yeah, you know I mean, saying? it's a, so it's people, a lot of people. We can't even meet, meet the demand of what we've currently <laughs> been bringing in, right? Like now we're going to go, yeah. let's down. go 10 times but, more. But keep in mind, if you are the type of person who wanted to, uh, to be able to afford to get in the housing market, you weren't concerned about condos rising 20% year over year. Your goal is simply to get a house for you and your family, right? Mm -hmm. For them this is a great thing so to to have something like immigration that's absolutely going to stimulate the economy and for people to say they're going to take jobs they're going to bring they're gonna... jobs. i mean you've got a lot of them who who are coming to improve their economic position i think it's like 60 percent or something was the number that they wanted to do that but you got a lot of smart people a lot of money that are going to come through and that are just being held back and i think that issue protrudes through everything from your pre-construction issue to these issues with with ramming down um some of these projects that the province is stepping on these conservation authorities to say we're going to do it anyways. All of those things, there is opposing view to those things. And I think we, if we just kind of jump over and say, well, this is great, we're creating jobs. Yeah, I mean, but there's a reason that those wetlands exist, sure. right? There's a reason that we can't just do that. And if our, if our ultimate goal was to create jobs, well, what happens when all of a sudden we've affected our drinking water? Like who, who's going who's gonna to pay for that? Because maybe the costs are, you know, I think there needs to be proper assessments too. And it's just, again, back to the stock market. I think it's the same reason why having a, a competing interest at the table, having a slower process is what makes it great. If everyone was able to just, you know, run things on either side at any, like without any supervision, that be, uh, let's go too far left or too far right. We got ourselves a problem, right? For sure. Yeah. Those are all there for, for safety nets and the rules have to be followed. Um, there are some limitations and there's also things that Daryl and I have talked about that it doesn't matter how much red tape they cut. It doesn't like there's still human beings involved. There's still people who need to sell land, and, you know, to, to bring it to its highest and best use. There's still people who need to be able to be willing to push a project forward, even though there's very little money on the table. There's a ton of stuff that will create issues. So even though we're, we, we do talk about immigration being good and even though we do talk about it creating jobs, we also understand that it's going to cause a lot of problems. That there's going to be a lot of if, issues. If our that we're ultimate have motivation is to get everybody into owning real estate, mm -hmm. then having immigration come is going to be a failing plan. If yeah. our goal is to create jobs and stimulate the economy, which which will allow people to create additional housing units to allow them to rent and to mm -hmm. stay perpetual renters, which we think is a bad thing, but go to a place like New York City or London, like they're rental cities, and that is what Toronto is. That's what for. I was just going to say. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but if you know, yeah, that, that 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 we are looking at a point in time where the divergence comes where people are, are are leaning more towards being renters where 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 it it's it it's not frowned upon if you're gonna rent like in new york there was a a point in time where it was like i can't afford to buy here but i really want to live here right and it's gonna be the it, it's already the same in toronto but that it's gonna split even further and there's gonna be huge demand from investors to buy stuff because there's no there's nowhere close to enough purpose-built rentals which i'm sure we've all talked about in the past right so so i mean 
immigration if used properly, which I think they're intending on trying. I mean, they've got this big green initiative for renewable energies, which we're going to need people to do all that kind of stuff for. We have huge, huge advances in e-commerce where we need people for all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then all the other tech ideas that we don't even know about yet, right? That are all coming. The, the other part, the other part to this equation is we're all Toronto people. Like we're all, you know, we're all in the GTA, and so we're always looking at like, oh my gosh, our market. It's about thirty-five percent, roughly, come to Toronto, right? So you still have this huge number of people. Like you still have hundreds of thousands of people who will be going to other parts of Canada where they desperately need help. Like, you know, I know right now Alberta's not doing great, but you know, there was times where everybody was flocking to Alberta because they were building infrastructure and everything else too. The Maritimes, the same thing. You know, BC has got its issues. There's so many different areas of Canada that are low density that, you know, we're kind of blind to. And um, I think the federal government, their mandate is to be looking as Canada as a whole. So, you know, there's lots of different sides. I'm, I'm glad Bradley yeah. brought that up because it does, we are very like, you know, hard, like immigration, woo, you know, with our little signs and everything else like that. But there's, there's plenty of negatives and there's plenty of things that we have to figure out that we have not figured out yet and that the plan doesn't account for and that will cause us growing pains that every international city has to go through transit being one of them traffic and, and, and commute times. Can, can you um, even imagine what it would be like in Toronto, 400,000 people immigrating to Canada of which what do we say? Like 60% end up in Toronto. No, third. That target, by the way, it's a third. That's a whatever. Target. I don't exactly. know. I, I've never really said that on my show, but I cannot see them doing that. I just can't. I, I, I agree too, and also we have to look at political. <laughs> but stuff that's too, crazy. Right? So right now, that's cool move. We're gonna say as many as we can. That's believable, but it's never gonna happen. I mean, yeah. we didn't hit a number last year because of COVID, and the number yeah. was. We were probably on target, though. I mean, like it did hit at the very beginning of the year. Sixty percent this year. Yeah, but it started in like February. The whole shutdown talk. He's he's right. He's right, though. The the number is totally one hundred. There's so many unknown factors. Right? Oh yeah. We're gonna say we're gonna get four hundred thousand next year. When are we going to be open? Right, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a exactly. good, it's good that it's a high number, in my opinion, but it's just a number. Here, let me throw one more wrench in your in your in this conversation as well. Let's do it. So this idea of investors, because a lot of my listeners, most of my listeners, are investors. They're they're interested in the real estate market, but they're interested in making money. And okay. if you were to ask them, like, why would you invest in Toronto? First of all, most of them aren't. It's, so the question is, is why? Why would you buy an investment in Toronto? And the reason is, is appreciation is is through the roof. That's the only reason. There's no the cash reason. flow coming out no. of Toronto. There's yeah. really not. The big the big boys are buying in these places that you're talking about, places like Alberta. Yeah, okay, fine. You're, you're, there's no appreciation there, but I'm not investing in Alberta for appreciation. Right. You're mm -hmm. investing in cash flow, right? You're investing in these other cities, these up-and-coming cities. So just as quick as they jump into Toronto when you've got high appreciation in value, they're going to jump over to places like Ottawa, right? They're going to get out of here as fast as they can if that appreciation is better in a neighboring city. So I think that's a dangerous game for Toronto to play, just be kind of running on the idea if we can get appreciation, 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 because there's going to come a point where it doesn't work anymore. I, and we need to be a little bit, we need to have more depth than that. But I think, I think a lot of the people that are investors in the downtown Toronto market are not concerned with cash flow as much as they're concerned with getting cash out of somewhere else. And it's a fairly safe investment if they're not worried about the cash flow, right? Sure. But but that's really a, oh, so it's, a great it's, deal of those people. I find a lot of people that come, to, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of the listeners to my show, they come from the perspective of like Toronto. Like I honestly believe Toronto is the best city in the world. I, I'll stand by that. I honestly believe that. I just think like if you're going to talk about investment, I'm going to invest in Toronto you're doing it different. You're not doing it in the same way that the big boys are doing it. You're doing, you're doing it because you like Toronto. And if you want to live in Toronto, that's great. But if you're going to compete in buying pre-construction, I talked to many people who have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in these markets, not just this year, but investing in people who are at best sketchy because there's a, there's a guaranteed appreciation and then getting caught. Now, they overall make more money, but there's a high risk to small investors if you're not careful. So I think people need to be smart. I think they need to be a little bit smarter and not look at Toronto as an investment, but look at it as maybe a level of security, being a really good city. There's a lot of good things Toronto has to offer and naturally the appreciation will come back. I do believe that. But I think depending on who you talk to, there is better investment vehicles than, than the city itself. 
if you're looking I've, to make money. I've, I've met a lot of investor uh, profiles. Like I think there's as many different profiles as there are investors. Like everyone just kind of got their own expectations, their own risk tolerance. They're, you know, they've got their own preference. Some people it's about convenience, right? So I, I agree that there's a ton of investors who are going to be agreeing with you as far as what Toronto has to offer. But yeah, but then there's just a bunch of other people who just look, I just want to be a, like, I, like I have a guy who just bought a house on his street that made the most sense to him, you know, in Scarborough. He was like, that's, that's, I can see it, <laughs> you know, like there, there's my property, you know? And like, I talked to him about, I said, well, we could have done this, could have done that. Da, 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 da. He bought it privately off his neighbor. And he's like, no, that's, that's what I wanted. And I was like, okay, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like there's really no way to for buying over renting majority of the time. So don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Like I do believe if you're going to be purchasing a property, if you're going to be moving into the city, especially a time like now, depending on what kind of product you're looking for, it's as good a time as ever to buy. Interest rates are ultra low, get a five-year fixed. And then what happens if interest rates go up, then you can sell it later. Like, I mean, you've got, you might as well pay down your mortgage, but when it comes to generating wealth, a lot of people have left the city a long time ago. I don't think COVID has changed anything. I think the changes that we've experienced from COVID have been people deciding they don't want to live downtown anymore, not investors. They had already made up their mind a couple of years ago. <laughs> Back when you were talking about condos weren't getting positive cash flow. There's no money in that unless you're flipping contracts. Where do so. people go, Bradley? Where, where, uh, where are the, some of the cities that you know people are investing in, in Ontario? Like big portfolios? In Ontario, I'd say there's Opportunity. been a big push through Hamilton. It's now stretching out into like St. Catharines, Niagara. So it's going further and further. Windsor, mm -hmm. I know a lot of the circles I'm in, investors are out in Windsor. Any of these guys that you can get high cash flow, a lot of them are buying up these properties, doing a renovation and refinancing them and rotating the money. And mm -hmm. so they're getting funding from banks. Like legitimate, they're legitimate flip opportunities where you can keep that, hold it, and um, I, I see all the way, like we're looking, me and my audience, we're looking a lot up in Simcoe, Aurelia, Midland area, but there's people moving all the way up to Thunder Bay yeah. and across the country. I mean, look at the East Coast has done so well. So there's no limit, right? The moment you get into those circles, there's no limit to where we you We like to, on the weekends, we like to go take a drive up north or east or west. We go like an hour and a half. Yesterday, we went to two places. Um, we started off in, uh, what was it called again? Anyways, we it was like just north of Beaverton, east of Aurelia. It was really there was not much going on there, so we we ended up south of there in Port Perry. And Port Perry is like really cute. And what what we keep noticing is no, it's like a really cute downtown and like it's got really nice houses and it's got everything that you really need in Port Perry. And and there's a lot of people actually. Um but but all these little towns that we've been going to, it's like we we end up going there. And we're like, we we I, I end up on the Realtor.ca app, and it's like, wow, like not cheap. Well, not even that it's not cheap. <laughs> not, not it's enough. so much. It's not so much enough. cheaper than here. It's crazy, and what you can get like on the water compared to just a normal, you know, bungalow here in Toronto is unbelievable. But like, like every time I go there, I'm like, I could live here. I could live here, which I'm telling you, a few, even a year ago, I would not even entertain the thought, right? Because it'd be too far from everything. But now everything is in my house. It, it, it's crazy. Sure. It, it's really crazy that, that things are, are going this way. And, and even though we're seeing an exodus of the cities, which we're not seeing, we're seeing a lot of people willing to move. I think, like weren't all these people willing to move before the pandemic and they're just not being replaced by people coming in willing to take those spaces? What I, how I look at it is people were already leaving the city. They were already right size or downsizing. Yeah. Like oh, Hamilton's yeah. booming going, but COVID just sped it up. Like well, Barry, Barry was Barry so, first was like a great place for your investors. I'm sure. And your, and, and, and your audience moved to Hamilton, like one of the top performing cities last right. year. Forget right. Forget. Right. 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 Yeah. But and, and moved to Hamilton and like moved to wherever St. Catharines. And, and that's just what happens, right? People start moving and investors start going where people are moving. And this is just the normal cycle. And what, what'll happen is, all these people coming in, they don't think the same way as of downtown as the people that are currently living downtown through this mess, right? They're like, oh, thank God we're not where we were yesterday. Let's go downtown. 
Yeah, yeah down I, I, or down this is uh, things are gonna they're gonna they're gonna see the the irony is is it just goes to show like if supply was the issue downtown Toronto, but maybe it wasn't supply, maybe it was demand too, because the demand is now gone and clearly we have an abundance specifically in the condo space of supply. So maybe supply wasn't the issue, but now. We look at these outskirt communities and now they've got, oh, they've got a supply crisis. So what, we start building out there or maybe we need to better manage. But what, maybe it's just, again, an input. But what we have downtown, it's like, it's like if, if, a, if a gigantic apartment owner or, or a gigantic short-term renter company that had thousands upon thousands of units went bankrupt, right? Like that's what's happening. Just thousands of rental units that were short-term came on the market. It's the most unnatural thing that they're even in existence to begin with but then the fact that they all go bust at the same time you have to have like what if that was eliminated from the market and all those people were just either normal renters or normal owners so what uh realosophy did was they looked at where all the rental income where all the rental inventory was coming from and 55 percent is actually coming from previously long-term rental units so the short-term rentals aren't the issue they're actually saying that what it looks like is that a lot of the inventories come from places where people just figured my job is not doing so well, so I'm going to move mm. back home. My, my rent was so high, I'm going to vacate this unit and go into something else. Maybe they're going to leave the city. Maybe they're going to decide to go into the freehold. But they don't have a, a, a very strong conclusion here. But what they're saying is that it's not just the Airbnbs that are causing the problem. In fact, furnished rentals and um, previously short-term listed uh, property, short-term rental listed properties were actually not the biggest percentage, right? So um, I think people are just moving and, and there's different reasons for everybody uh, to get out. And of course it's created a huge oversupply, but we're actually, we're 5% ahead uh, in rentals uh, than we were at the end of the third quarter of 2019. Well, that, so like the demand is still I, there. Like there's still people moving. And yeah, that's what spaces. I was thinking. That contradicts what you were saying before. Like, well, what we're signing up more leases than ever. We just have more supply. So what's exactly. the difference? Exactly. That's what's causing the low, the prices to come down. Okay. I, I, I right? don't. So where are all these people? I, think, I don't think we've seen Airbnb yet. Honestly, guys, I think in, wait until January, wait until next month and in January and February, when the, a lot of them are trying to sell these units, I, I'll bet you maybe not rent them because they know I'm not going to be, I don't want to do a long-term rental. The, mm -hmm. the, the pressure cook is turned on on them on figuring out what they're going to do because they can't rent these things as of January. So they're trying to list them, which is going to fail, or they got to go in the long-term market, or they're going to dump the condos. These are things that are going to put downward pressure, further downward pressure on condos. Mm -hmm. They're still there. There's still more and, in there. And the next highest category is previously owner-occupied. So people who are saying, I don't want to live in my condo anymore. I'm going to buy a freehold and rent out my condo space because I know the market's not doing well. So I want to just rent it out and keep it as an investment. Right. That makes sense. How many people are there? We factor in how, how many of them are uh, in the that, rental. Like there was going to be a, a huge supply shortage of rentals very soon. Under so 10,000. Do that is actually wise. It would be a wise move to keep those. Why would you sell your condo when the prices are down momentarily? That doesn't right? make sense. Doesn't, and you, you can get a house with a super ridiculously low mortgage. Way more house. Movement, by the way, that upsizing from a condo. Think of the level of competition that's happening in that space. You've got first-time homebuyers that are overshooting the condos. They're like, I don't need a condo. I'm just going to go right into low-rise. And why would I want a condo anyways? Even though there's a deal, I don't want to be in the city, nor do I need to be. I don't need to be. So, yeah. so they're all competing in the low-rise space. As soon as that starts to change back over, you're going to – I mean, I, I think things will pick back up later in the year, next year in condos quite well, quickly. If you cannot – if you, if you don't have to go into the city, like why in the world would you pick a condo over a bungalow with a yard further away? Like I don't understand it at all. I personally don't understand it at all. Yeah, you can't eat at your favorite restaurant. Why you did you understand your favorite club? six months ago or a year ago? Like why? why what's I wouldn't difference? live down there before, right? <laughs> That's like you. You're not the right person to ask. No. Like, why? What changed Listen, all that? Like, I, I don't you can't. Know, I don't know if anything did. I think it just sped it up. I think this was just an ongoing trend. That's maybe the rest quickly, and everyone's just. Shocked. A lot of people like going out to bars and restaurants when they live downtown, and that's big. I mean, like Cineplex, the movies, some certain entertainment like that. I could see that was super accelerated. Restaurants, like 
it makes no sense at all. I mean, it makes sense, but that just got so obliterated. And if you were sitting in 385 luxurious square feet at Charles and Jarvis, then, you know, you're going out every day to a park, to something downtown, to somewhere. You're not sitting in that thing. Like I was reading an article today about a guy, he, he had to leave to Hamilton because he had to set up his office in his bed because all he had was like a bachelor, 300 and whatever square feet. There's no room for an office, right? But so for like 400 bucks less, he got double the space in Hamilton. That makes sense. People aren't stupid. And, and, and there's, there's only going to be so many businesses that require you to have to come in all the time now. But, but the, yeah, I got, I got a friend who's, who's a big contemplating. Debate. Do people come back? Yeah. That's the debate. He's contemplating it right now. Is like, is, is my business going to ask me to come back in the future? Because right now they're saying no. Right. So, right. So trying to find a place that's rate to be a renter in Toronto is pretty much as in Mississauga like within 100, 200 bucks. So if you on the tail end of COVID are left with the decision, do I want to rent in Mississauga or in Toronto, where are you going to go? And I think because of this like jump outwards, I do think there's going to be people that see the benefit of being in the city. And that'll be just the start of it. Then once the wave starts again, and not COVID wave, the wave of coming into the city again, people are going to say, it's actually more affordable for me just to buy a condo. Right. So here's a different bar. So you've got a condo downtown, you own it right now. You were getting 2,500 bucks a month. Your tenants vacated the unit during COVID. You've tried to rent it out for 25, 24, 23, 22, whatever. What, what's, your, what's your advice? First of all, I wouldn't have owned a condo in oh! scenario, but if I did That's right now, easy. I would to sell it. I would get creative with my financing. I'd be looking to invest outside the city with the money if I can. Depends on how tight I am because there's a lot of people who bought at 5% down back in April who are underwater now. As, yeah, as you have no mortgage. You have underwater. no underwater. No mortgage. I've been building this condo since uh, it was built in 2001. Oh, that's easy. Off. Yeah, right. come on. I'm just trying to come up with it. So do I rent I, it I out? I and my take money and run probably. Or do I get I out? Pull a lot off here. here, while we're talking about being creative with stuff, uh, yeah. which there's not much creativity. And if you throw a hundred percent ownership with no mortgage into it, it's really not so hard to figure out a million different things to do, but check this out. Company turns small offices into private gyms in Toronto and you can rent them by the hour. Now, now we're yeah, talking, right? We had another, we had a clothing store, open up a restaurant in the middle of the restaurant cause they're allowed, but this is, this is the kind of cool stuff. Hold on a sec. Let's go out on a high note. High demand for housing in GTA will continue beyond COVID-19, says Trep. So we have mm -hmm. new creativity being created by this whole craziness and high demand in housing coming down the pipe. Let's, let's finish the conversation on some high notes. All right. Kind of close with the last thing I was saying, though. As I've thought this through, if I had, if I had a condo in cash right now, Knowing that the condos are where they are and the potential for the increase that you're probably going to see next year, there might be a bit more down, but I think you've got generally more up. I would actually probably keep yeah. that condo and I would rebuy it and use the money because you don't need to sell it. The only reason you'd sell it is to get that extra, you know, 30, 40% that you need to break even. So in that scenario, yeah. So I just, just to kind of recap. Yeah. yeah find that thought, I don't think I would even dump it. I, I don't think there's a, a world where you're best to dump a condo right now. Okay. So find a, find a tenant at the best market rent you could find a lower market rent. It just means that you're refinancing less off the condo, right? You got to, you got you can take less money because you need to make sure you're breaking even. And I'd be locking them into at least a year and then just hope to God that they don't do craziness with the rental rates and tell you, you got to stick with that forever. <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, thanks. Sorry. CEO, just refresh. What, what's the next topic? Sorry. I was just, I well, we're just talking about, well, you had a video on it actually trev was talking about demand for housing not um not being um you know decreased over the next after COVID, right continuing so i'm seeing that too people i daryl let's do a new survey daryl can we please do another survey it's your survey yeah I go ahead all right just put up your hand if any of your friends right now or in the past 12 months have been homeless okay it's a hundred percent of people that I know in this conversation 
know people who need a place and to currently a hundred percent of the surveys have come back at a hundred percent of the participants so people need a place to live that's it that's not going to change so covid downtown out of town high homelessness like on the street no like you know what i mean i'm talking about just like and i'm being a little facetious facetious here but what i mean is people are always looking for housing no one just accepts and says one day i'm going to decide not to own i'm not going to rent and i'm going to couch surf right that's not that's not what people do people say to themselves i want a house i want a, a roof over my head it's an it's shelter food and shelter basic human instincts right we're, we're born with it so uh, this is never going to change. People are going to continue to search for the best possible housing that they can afford that meets their lifestyle, that um, you know makes them feel good, that makes them feel at home, that makes them feel at ease. That's what we do. And, we, and then we will continue that hunt until the day we die. Until we get to a place where you say you're going to take me out in a box, you will continue that until forever. That's how it works. So it's going to be hard for us to ever say the only times in the past and i've said this a few times on the show that the market's ever dipped is when you took away buyers capabilities of getting financing when interest rates spike when foreign buyers tax have come in and then like bradley was talking about the psychological effect of those of those types of things you take away the money and the stress tests and all these type of things and people start saying "Ooh, uh, you know maybe i can't get the mortgage that i want so i'm not willing to buy uh this house for you know this much cost Right. I'm getting I'm getting less than what I think I should be getting. And then that starts to make changes in the market. But as long as there's an open door and interest rates are low, people are just going to be keep They're going to keep upgrading. That's what people do. Get ready anytime for soon. The, the pull factors into the city of Toronto are unbelievable. Like when I talk to people who are overseas, they're just like, you guys don't even know. You're you're literally paradise on Earth. You guys mm -hmm. don't realize what you've got there. Like, like we are the the least, if not, I think we are considered the least in the G8 countries, corrupt country. We've got unbelievable standard of living here. I mean, there's a reason our immigration numbers are so high. I mean, to the point where we can say we want 400,000. Last year, we had 300,000, 350 or whatever the number was. That was the highest in North America. Yeah. And we're pushing higher. Like our, our goals, like, sure. you know what I mean? Like we've, we've got, got the third best brand or something. Precedent. Third best brand in the world, Canada. Yeah. Too. Yeah. U.S. News yeah. just was like well, uh, giving us. A... In North America, where would you go? Like, where else would you go? Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that yesterday. We were but, talking about Hawaii yesterday, me and the family while we were driving. We we're like, let's get out of here. That's it. Toronto or Hawaii. If I'm not in Hawaii, okay, then I'm in Toronto for sure. No, nowhere else. And I'm just joking. Don't I'm... sell your Toronto units when you go, all right? Yeah, I'm just joking. <laughs> Toronto for sure. The numbers are crazy. When I think of homelessness, I, I do – there is a legitimate homelessness issue in our in our city. I think our, our priority should be to get people into housing. I think that's a government's responsibility, not the responsibility of small landlords. But I do agree if you can afford it in the, in the GTA, forget just Toronto, but in the GTA, you're going to aim to rent something, right? You're going to try and rent or buy something. Ultimately, mm -hmm. the, the majority of people surveyed want to own. I mean, we, we can see that. But a, a lot of this push has been happening. Like, you've got, you've got um, people we're members of. TK, you're, you said you're an agent, right? Or you're licensed? Yep. yep. Toronto we're a part board. of Toronto Board or whatever board. We're part of Ontario Real Estate Association. We got it. We got it. Yeah, and they go on to talk about how our big concern is affordability, yet the proposals that they often put forward are only demand pressures. Most of these are demand pressures. Mm -hmm. And so like when we're like, we're going to help the first-time homebuyer get it, all you're going to do is boost the price. You're, you're incentivizing things like we're gonna, we want certain regions, for example, that will be given preferential tax treatment. Really, is that how you're going to uplift an area? You're going to end up pushing all the people out of that area, and it's a huge opportunity for, for developers. Mm. So all of these moves that are sent to like, the game plan is we're trying to stimulate. We're trying to get people moving, which is going to somehow create jobs and allow people to get into housing is what's pushing the prices higher and higher, which if you're invested is a fantastic thing. But if we're actually concerned with housing and getting people with a roof over their head, it's not doing that. It's yep. really not. So we can agree that the government's got a tough job ahead of them, that this is not an easy solution. That And, and like, there's not just like, a, hey, this is what you got to do and it's going to work and that all major cities in the world have got to struggle with this type of dilemma. And I think there's some Scandinavian countries and stuff like that have got some pretty good systems in place. But I feel like Toronto is 
We're going to be dealing. We're going to be talking about this. For we a are, long time. and I've brought it up a couple of weeks in a row. I mean, I still don't have my pre-consultation meeting with the city, and we're going on like an eight or nine weeks now. And it was supposed to take five days to get a date, and it's taken nine weeks to just get a date. And so, you know, there we we've talked about it. I, I don't know if you've heard bradley us talk about it but you know i've i've put in an, just a request for a meeting with the city and they're so understaffed while we have you know 10 percent unemployment the city is understaffed to a point where they can't get to applications for new housing I hear you say that it doesn't surprise me you look at any level look at things like people who are getting looking for um, power of sale deals those are backlogged like crazy landlord tenant board backlogged like crazy all of these government setups but you know what's ironic is it actually kind of helps enforce strong real estate market because the longer it takes for these things to happen, everything stays put. Because imagine what would happen if you had a landlord tenant board that was able to immediately evict 50,000 Ontarians, right? Or you had a, a power of sales that took off. There's a, I think there's a reason, like the slowness of the system in some ways actually saved us. Now from the perspective of developing, I mean, I think like, look at the, the cost associated with the, the times of it's waiting. Crazy. Like, so on that side, I do think more needs to be done. And I do agree. I could see the benefit of streamlining or fast tracking a lot of these developments. I just do think we would be a bit ignorant, ignore that there is going to be consequences to doing that. I get, we just got to weigh them out. What does it make sense or not? Sure. But, but we, but the, 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 the fact remains that because of this and many other factors that you're talking about, there's zero chance that supply is going to go up in relation to demand. Well, these these um, projects that I guess you could go by housing type and what term, but long term, I'd say in all housing types, I would agree with that. We can't. can't. Four hundred thousand immigrants. Where do you think they're going? Half of them going to Ontario, and probably half of that are coming to the GTA. So, <laughs> unless we can develop a hundred thousand units in the next between now and the next three years when they're ready to buy, it's not. Happening. No, and what's going to happen so is the divide. Pick them at a bunch of mobile homes. Like, is that it, the plan here? Well, we're going to wind it. We're going to wind down right now with our uh, special guests. Um, recommendation for the housing supply crisis, Bradley. What what is your Daryl's Daryl's idea is robots. He feels that if we get enough robots building enough prefab and and using te leveraging technology to 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 build, that'll help us grow the amount of supply. What about you? How are we going to address supply? Mm -hmm. I think it's I think to just address supply misses half the equation. I think we need to be balancing out demand as well. So first of all, I would be, I think the, the pressure point that the government and organizations are putting on is adding additional demand. So if we were concerned, so I'm not concerned about prices going crazy and going high. It doesn't bother me. I'm making money. But if our honest concern is we want to reduce the price appreciation, if that's the plan, I think the fastest way you're going to do that is reducing demand because we've seen that the demand shift is what's kind of messed up our, what's created the supply. We say it's a supply issue, but is it all of a sudden a supply issue in the outskirt communities, in the suburbs? No, I, I think the demand has exposed the supply thing. So if supply mm -hmm. was in fact the issue, then speeding up, the fast way to do it is to speed up development times. Because we a, a typical condo can cost $100,000 in the city of Toronto. And I think the, the city is doing a lot of good things. You know, they're opening up this idea of the yellow belt. They're, do, they're, doing, they're doing what they can. But unless and until people are comfortable with living in a three bedroom condo in the city, there's not much you can do. So. I think it's a balanced equation. I don't think there's a one size fits all. I think we need to be equally focused on addressing the demand if in fact our concern was was prices. Um, but I don't think we're gonna be able to accomplish that. And, and concern, <laughs> no, exactly. But the concern is, and you and you sort of articulated this earlier, is for everybody to have a roof over their head. That is the goal. I mean, I would yeah. as an investor, I whether Toronto is the highest price point city in North America, to me, I, I have a, a neck in the game. Like, I, it matters that I make money. But what matters more to me is that Toronto continues to be a city that people have a place to live and mm -hmm. that, like, you know, is inclusive in that way. I think we're doing good things like the really in our last podcast, we talked about this. I think the big solution to supply affordability for homelessness and people on the lower end that we often are often ignored or just kind of over, overlooked is you need support from the province and the feds. It can't mm -hmm. come from the city. The city is not equipped, as we've seen since the 90s. They're not equipped to deal with it themselves. So, And now what we have seen is there's a RHI, the Regional Housing Initiative or whatever that was announced by the federal government. This is a good thing. And I think we need to keep that going. Um, cost, 
to me, that cost is worth it. To some people, it might not be. Because if you, you know, do you want that spread between the, the, the wealthy and the poor? Or do you want more of a balanced approach? I think Canada's success has lied in trying to maintain a middle class. And, I, and that's why I, I tend to lean to that side, which I have a lot of listeners that are very pro-business, very conservative that would disagree with that. And that's fine, too. But that's my, that's my take on it. Nice. Well, um, we appreciate you coming on the show today, Bradley. This has been great and a nice conversation where Daryl and I aren't yelling at each other for once. So that's good. We kind of agreed on everything today, Daryl. That's, that's, that's a change. Almost everything. Don't, don't say anything, Daryl. We could, we could ruin this, this streak, okay? <laughs> uh, but yeah, Bradley, great points. Great show. Uh, check out uh, Watson Estates. Anybody who's listening to our show and not his, you're missing out. Watson Estates is on uh, YouTube and um, Spotify and all the other podcasts you can find us it's called toronto's number one real estate podcast search that term and you're going to find them that's it you'll see my face yeah thank you so much bradley good to meet you it was nice having a a new opinion absolutely new perspective yeah it's great thank you so much for your time really appreciate you coming everybody else subscribe for our channel too please if you're still here listening to this at the hour and three minute mark Have a great day, gentlemen. Thank you, Mr. TK. Thanks, guys. All right. Look forward to doing this again in the future. New on CuriosityStream, grab your decoder ring. We're cracking the world's most famous encryptions. From the mom who took down the mob to the Zodiac Killer. See how the pros hide their secrets in plain sight on Cracking the Code. Plus, it was impossible to recruit intelligence agents without recruiting war criminals. Meet the retirees of the Third Reich who gathered Cold War intelligence for the U.S. on Nazis in the CIA. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.